Welcome to the Siski Christian Fellowship Podcast. Our prayer is that the following verse-by-verse teaching of God's Word would bring you closer to Jesus. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. We're just going to look at one phrase this morning. And in Paul's opening remarks in this letter that he wrote to the church at Corinth, he pens some very simple but some profoundly important words. Words that, if we aren't careful, we could skip right over them and we could miss out on the, the wonderful truth that is found in them. We could miss out on the comforting truth. We would miss out on the truth we need so much on this particular day. 1 Corinthians verse 1, chapter 1, pardon me, verse 9. Paul says this, he says, God is faithful. God is faithful. It was true for the church at Corinth, and it's true for the church at Wairika this morning. God is faithful. And that is something that we say so often. Boy, we say it all the time in church. Man, God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. But do we understand what it is we're saying? Do we understand what that really means? And I want to take a, a minute this morning to just unpack that. That God is faithful. But what does it mean that God is faithful? That word faithful is pastas in the Greek. And there are a couple definitions that are given for that Greek word that really paint a picture of what it means. And that first definition for pistos, for for faithful, is a, a person who shows themselves faithful in the transaction of business, the execution of commands, or the discharge of official duties. It's somebody who is just faithful occupationally. Somebody that you can count on to get the job done. Somebody who, when they say they're going to be there, they're there. When they say they're going to do something, they do it. It's just somebody who comes in clutch, somebody who gets the job done, somebody you can trust in that realm of uh, occupation. Uh, The second definition is one who kept his plighted faith. Now, That is not a terminology that we really use very often in our modern era. Plighted faith, what does that mean? Well, it means to promise or to bind by a solemn pledge, especially to betroth. So this is someone not only who can be trusted occupationally, somebody that you can lean on, that you can count on, that you can know that they will do what they said they will do. This is somebody that you can trust occupationally, or not occupationally, uh, relationally. The most intimate relationship that we can have as human beings is the marriage relationship. The closest relationship, and when we enter into the marriage relationship, we make these promises to each other. Man, I'm going to stick with you unconditionally. Through thick and thin, if things get bad, if, if things are good, if we're poor, if we're rich, if we're sick, if we're healthy, I'm making a pledge to you that I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, I will be with you till the very end. And that's what this, this, this word is describing. That person who relationally says, I'm here for you no matter what happens in your life. And then the third definition is one that I, I really like. It just very plainly says, 
One who can be relied upon. And now we're getting somewhere. One who can be relied upon. Somebody that we can trust. Somebody that we can count on. And that is indeed a very comforting truth this morning. That we can count on the Lord in a life that is filled with uncertainty. And really, in this world, in this life, what can we really count on? You know, Benjamin Franklin said the only thing in life that we can count on is death and taxes. There's a famous quote by an unknown author that says, the only predictable thing about life is its unpredictability. Life can change so fast. In the blink of an eye, everything we know can be completely gone, completely different. The things that we thought were so fixed, the things that we thought were so firm, the things that we thought were so solid, in a moment, can change. But the one thing that never changes is God. We can take great comfort in that, that God is the same Today, as he was yesterday, as he will be forever. That's what Hebrews 13, 8 tells us, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's consistent. He's solid. He's unwavering. He's unchanging. It's so important for us to remember when life feels unstable. When the unpredictable happens, when the unthinkable becomes reality. That not only is God unshakable and constant and unchanging, but that he is there for us when we need him. That he will never let us down. That we can rely on him. That we can count on the Lord. That's what it means. When we say God is faithful, it means we can trust him. We can count on him. We can count on him to be with us. We can count on the Lord to be with us. He promised that he will never leave us Or forsake us. Deuteronomy 31. And this is when Joshua is just getting ready to lead God's people into the the promised land. Moses has died. There's been this huge season in the wilderness. Now they're getting ready to cross the Jordan River and go into a land flowing with milk and honey. But it's a land also filled with warriors. And so from Joshua's perspective, his mentor has died. This huge task has been given to him. He's to lead the people. And he says, Lord, I don't know how I can do this. And this is what God tells Joshua in that moment. He says, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you, and he will not forsake you. And that's so important, that when things are difficult, when we're tempted to despair and to fear, that God says, remember that I'm with you, and I'm not going anywhere. I will always be with you. And that's important for us to remember this morning, because sometimes in life it feels like God isn't near, doesn't it? Sometimes in life we can say, Lord, where are you? You you promised that you would never leave us or forsake us, but it doesn't feel like you're very close to me right now in the midst of this situation. And when we say, Lord, where are you? Man, I want us to remember this story in Luke chapter 14. Pardon me, Matthew chapter 14. Remember when the disciples, they they were sent out onto the Sea of Galilee. Jesus had just fed the 5,000. And he said, boys, I want you to get in the ship and I want you to go to the other side. 
And they got in that boat and they headed out to the middle of the lake. But before they got to the other side, a great storm engulfed them. They were in the midst of a, a life and death situation. And no doubt they were saying, why did you send us out here? You sent us out to the midst of the storm. You're not even with us. We're by ourselves. Where are you, Jesus? But where was Jesus in that story? In Matthew chapter 14, Jesus had gone up the side of the hill where he could see the disciples and what they were doing. He was up there praying for them. And when they needed him, Jesus came to them. Remember, he, he walked out on the water and they, they were afraid. They thought that Jesus was a ghost and that's when Peter stepped out onto the water. But I say that to remind us of this, that, that very often in the midst of storms in our life, man, we feel like the Lord is very far away, but he's much closer to us than we know. Just like the disciples, they said, Jesus, where are you? He was there. He saw them. He knew what was going on. When we're in the storm, God sees us. He knows what's going on. Jesus was praying for them. Jesus is interceding for us now. When they called on Jesus, he was right there, much closer than they ever thought. And when he got there, what did he do? He calmed the storm. And he does the same thing in our life. The Lord, we can count on him to always be with us. Even when it feels like he's far away, he is much closer than we realize. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart, and he saves such as have a contrite spirit. Man, we can count on the Lord to be there for us. We can also count on the Lord to hear our prayers when we call out to him. Prayer is something that we talk about often in this place. The wonder of prayer. Luke 11 says, Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be given. Uh, knock and it will be opened to you. Pardon me. Proverbs 15, 29 says that he hears the prayers of the righteous. And we have this open line of communication with the creator of the universe, of all things, that, that we can make our request known to him. We can pour our hearts out to him. And when we do, there's something amazing that happens. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known unto God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This amazing thing happens, that when we pour our heart, hearts out to the Lord, where our minds were racing and our hearts were broken, where anxiety was overwhelming, all of a sudden we have a peace that doesn't make sense. We have Jesus guarding our hearts and our minds. God is so faithful to hear us when we pray to him. But not only is God someone we can count on to never leave us or forsake us, not only is he somebody that we can count on to hear us, he's somebody that we can count on to help us. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Sometimes life gets heavy. Sometimes life is hard, and, and we feel like we're being buried under the weight of the world. But when life gets heavy, the Lord is there to help. 
Matthew 11, Jesus says this. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And when life is heavy and life gets heavy, we know that to be true. Know that you weren't designed to pack around those burdens, but we were designed to give those burdens to the Lord. But here's the thing about a burden. God won't take a burden from you that you aren't willing to give to him. We have to come to him and say, Lord, my life is heavy. This is rough. This is what I'm going through. Would you take this from me? Would you help me carry this? And the Bible tells us that we are to cast our cares upon him for he cares for us. We cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. We have to give them to the Lord. And when we do, the problem is, is that we, we give our cares to the Lord. We say, Lord, take this weight from me. And he's faithful to do that. But then we, we take it back. And then we have to cast it again. And he takes it. And then we, we take it back. We cast it. We have to keep casting our cares before the Lord, just like fishing. This is the last time you went fishing and cast only one time. You're either a really good fisherman or a really bad fisherman. But we have to cast, and the Lord says, don't live your life buried under the weight of this world. Cast your cares upon me. We can count on the Lord to help us. We can count on the Lord to bring us healing. Everywhere that the Lord went in his earthly ministry, he brought healing. He brought hope to the hurting. You think you go through the Gospels and just make a, a, a note of all the accounts, all the people that Jesus healed. The nobleman's son, the man with an unclean spirit, Simon Peter's mother-in-law, the healing of the leper, the paralytic man, the man at the pool of Bethesda, the man with the withered hand, the centurion's servant, uh, the widow's deceased son, on and on, Jairus' daughter, the, the, the woman with the issue of blood, blind Bartimaeus, everywhere Jesus went, he brought healing. And it's a reminder to us here this morning that Jesus can bring healing to our broken lives. Because sometimes when life is rough. It feels like, man, we can never be made whole again. Sometimes we're hurting so bad, there's nothing that can that help that ache or fix that heartache. But Jesus can make us whole. God is faithful. We can count on him to bring healing to our lives. Isaiah 61, 3 says that he gives us beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. We can also count on the Lord to work things out, to see us through. All right, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. Such a wonderful promise, and it's a promise I love. Man, we, we rejoice, we quote that verse, and things are happy and the sun is shining and everything is hunky-dory. We say, oh, God is working all things together for good. Isn't this wonderful? And all of a sudden, the rug gets yanked out from under us and this verse suddenly becomes cliche. 
It's the first that I don't want to hear, honestly, when I'm going through the midst of difficulty. But it's the verse that I most need to hear. That God is working all things together for good. The things we don't like, the things I, I don't want to be true, the things I'm wrestling with, the things that are breaking my heart, God is working those things together for good. We see this principle illustrated for us perfectly in the life of Joshua there in Genesis chapter 37 through really the end of the book, where this man who loved God, who was faithful, he was betrayed by his brothers and thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, falsely accused, locked away in prison, and forgotten. But the thing about Joseph's story is the way that it ends and the process that God used to get him to that end. Because in Joseph's life, without the betrayal, there would have been no pit. And without the pit, there would have been no slavery. And without the slavery, there would have been no false accusation. And without the false accusation, there would have been no prison. And without prison, there would have been no being forgotten. And without being forgotten, there would have been no dream. And with no dream, there would have been no interpretation. And with no interpretation, there would have been no opportunity. And with no opportunity, there would have been no prime ministership. And with no prime ministership, there would have been no bringing his family to Egypt. And without bringing his family to Egypt, there would be no Israel. And with no Israel, there would be no Jesus. And with no Jesus, there would be no hope. And so you trace that back and say, wow, it all began with betrayal. God takes those things that are devastating that break us and turns them into blessings, into joy. And at the end of Joseph's life, he was able to look his brothers in the eye, the ones who meant to take him out and hurt him, and say, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And we can stand on that truth this morning as our hearts ache, as we're dealing with difficulty as a church family. We can say, Lord, I don't understand it. I don't like it, but I can trust you in it. God, we can count on him that he's working things out. And lastly, we can count on the Lord even in the midst of our doubts. There's a story uh, in the Gospels about a man who, who had a sick son, and he brought his son to Jesus' disciples that he might be healed. And Jesus' disciples couldn't do anything for him, but Jesus comes in on the scene, and he... He looks at this man who is so desperate. says, Jesus, please help my boy. He's going to die. And Jesus says to him, if you believe, I can, I can help you. And the man looked at Jesus and said, I believe. Only help my unbelief. And there's times when that's where we're at. Say, Lord, man, I believe. I know you to be good. I know you to be true. I know you to be faithful. I believe, Lord, only help my unbelief. Because it's in moments like this when we say, Lord, where are you? What's going on? Help my unbelief. See, Satan is a punk. He wants to come into your life and he wants to whisper the same lies that he whispered into the ear of Eve in the Garden of Eden. He wants to say, Does, did God really say that? Is that what God really meant? He comes along in, in, in a time of tragedy and says, is that what God said? Is that what God meant? He wants us to question God's word. He wants us to question God's integrity. Here's the beautiful thing is that God is bigger than our doubts. 
that even in our unbelief, the Lord is faithful and he will see us through. We can count on the Lord. We can trust him to be with us, to hear us, to help us, to heal us, and to see us through, even in the midst of our doubts. And how do we know? How do we know that we can trust the Lord? How do we know that we can trust Jesus? How do we know that we can trust the promises that he made to us? Because he just didn't say that we can trust him. He proved that we can trust him. He went willingly to the cross of Calvary, and he laid down his life as a ransom that we might be saved and set free. He was bound that we might experience freedom. He died that we might experience life. Jesus was faithful even unto death, the death of the cross. And this is, this is a message that we need to hear this morning. This is a message that I need to hear this morning of God's faithfulness. As a church family, life is heavy right now. And many of you are aware of the tragedy that's taken place in our community, but some of you may not be. And so this is a warning to brace yourself. <clears throat> We're just a church family, but our dear brother and sister Ben and Jessica Stone were in a fatal car crash on Friday. And their four little babies, their four little kiddos, they made it. And they're safe and they're fine and they're doing great. Kids are resilient. And Ben and Jessica were such a huge part of our church family. Ben was the guy up here holding down the base, involved in kids' church. And they were such a part of our lives and we're going to we're going to miss him greatly. But even in the midst of the difficult season that we're going through, it's important for us to remember God's faithfulness, that God is so good. That although we're devastated, although we are, I'm in shock still if I'm going to be completely honest with you. I'm so glad that that devastation and that sorrow is tempered with joy. Because we know the truth. We don't mourn like the world mourns. We know that there's hope. We have a hope that nothing can take from us. And we can stand on the truths of Scripture. We can stand on the truth that Jesus told us in John 14. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. If it weren't so, I wouldn't have said it. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. He's gone to prepare a place for all of us, including Ben and Jessica, that they are now in heaven with Jesus, where every tear is wiped away, where there's no sorrow, where there's no suffering. Such joy. No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, hasn't even entered into the heart of man the things that await us in heaven. It's so magnificent, we can't even imagine it. And that's where Ben and Jessica are. And so we mourn. We're sad. And it's okay. It's okay to be sad. Jesus wept when Lazarus died. And I've heard lots of teachings that say, oh, he wasn't weeping for Lazarus. And I don't know. I see the way Jesus interacted with people. And I know Jesus knew that Lazarus was going to be back soon. But I believe that it was a sad day for Jesus. 
And we know we're going to see Ben and Jessica soon again too. But it's a sad day for us as well. But as we, as we weep, as we deal with a difficult season, and let us not lose sight of the truth. Let us not lose sight of the faithfulness of God. That his promises are true. That he's going to see us through. That he's faithful, that we can count on him to be with us, to hear us, to help us, to heal us, to see us through, even in the midst of our doubts. And I'm so glad that we can trust the Lord in that way. And so, as we come, we'll take communion. We'll finish out in a song. And you say, boy, we're finishing early today. And that's on purpose. Because it's good for us to be together as a church family. It's good for us to pray together and cry together and remember. There'll be a church, there'll be a, a service for Ben and Jessica later, and I'll keep you guys posted on that. But right now, man, it's just fresh. We just need to, to bear each other's burdens, to be there for each other. And the elders are all here. Wives are here. And if you need prayer, if you have questions, man, this is the time that we're going to do that. So we're going to come and we're going to remember the goodness of the Lord, that we can count on him, that, that when he says he's faithful, it's not just words. There's tangible reality attached to that. And then we're going to hang out for a bit and we're just going to be there for each other. So Lord... We thank you so much, again, for your faithfulness. Lord, thank you that you are dependable, that we can count on you. Lord, that nothing catches you off guard and you're going to see us through. And Lord, I just pray that where we're hurting and where we're reeling, where we don't understand, that you would help us. As that man who had the, the hurting son said, Lord, we believe only help our unbelief. That we would come to that place where although we don't understand, Lord, we would still trust you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for what you've done for us on the cross. We thank you for the hope that you've given us. Thank you that our sorrow is tempered with great joy, knowing the truth. In Jesus' name, amen.